Hey, everybody. It's Randy Wilburn. I am the host of actually not one, but two podcasts. I am Northwest Arkansas, which covers the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in the Ozarks, and the host of Encourage, Build, Grow, helping design professionals become better leaders, better communicators, and ultimately better people. And you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. What's going on, Amy? How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. You know, that's the have that's the problem when you have two podcast hosts on an episode. <laughs> one one is like, well, actually, I should be letting Amy lead me, but I'm the I'm leading her because <laughs> I'm so used to it. But no, that's it's all good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, I'm gonna introduce you though to these lovely folks, if you don't mind. Guys, this is my <laughs> friend. This is my friend. Right. Randy Wilburn, he is an entrepreneur, serial podcaster. He's doing it all. And, you know, it's about time he's come on the show. So thank you for showing up for episode 209, guys. It'll be a fun one. We are going to get to know one another a little bit more than I know, Randy. And are you ready for some icebreaker questions? I am. Let's do it. All right. We have a box of questions. Okay. Randomly going to pick and let's see what you do. All right. Okay. Yep. Would you rather take a walk in the mountains or on the beach? Um, that's a tough one. I think I would rather take the beach. I'm a water boy, so oh, I yeah? love the water. Yeah, I love the water. I I, I don't mind cold weather, but you know, uh, and and I like the mountains just because of the perspective factor. But there's just something about the beach that's always calling my name. I think I do mountains. Okay. It's just because sand. Okay. I, I'm not a fan of sand. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I don't like that part. That's the one part about the beach that I don't like, especially the really fine sand. But yeah. listen, I mean, it's just nothing like jumping into some warm bath water, warm ocean water. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> like no. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah, absolutely. What is the funniest movie ever made? Wow, that's a good question. The funniest movie ever made in my estimation, I think there's two. Okay. I actually, when I think about the funniest movies ever made or the movies that I've just laughed so much at, I, I would say one of them is something about Mary. Mm. I mean, literally, I I almost, you know what, in my pants. I mean, it was that hilarious. And I just remember just slapping my knee the whole time I watched that movie. It was it was Cameron Diaz. It was funny. Ben Stiller. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. And then I have to also mention, and I saw this early on in life, but Animal House. Animal House is hilarious. Very the, funny movie. The, yeah, the movies, because if, if you'll notice a pattern, those are what? Uh, 90s? 90s? Early Animal 2000s. House came out in 78. Was it 78? I thought it was 80s. Yeah, 78. No, I was 78. Say- and uh, I want to say something about Mary came out right around 2099, somewhere right in there. Yeah, something like that. I, I, 
Yeah. Not that the movies today aren't funny, guys. I just think that there were a lot more funnier movies back oh, then. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Hands down. Absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So. Like, I would say Shrek was actually probably one that surprised me with how funny it was. It really did. Shrek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that one. All right. And yeah. then what else? Uh, Three Men and a Little Lady. Okay, yeah, that was or actually. Is that fun. the first that one? Three men and a baby. I think baby was first. Three men and a baby. Yeah, yeah, that lady was, was first. second. I think, and, and, but yeah, yeah, the first one, a little lady afterwards. Yeah. That one cracked me up. Tom Selleck, was, uh, Mark Guggenberg, Guggenheim, Guggenberg, something like that. Guggenberg, Tom Guggenberg, yeah, Police Academy fame. Yep. Tom Selleck, Police Academy was also hilarious. That was funny. That, that was, was a funny, funny. series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y'all don't appreciate that today. Try watch it. No. Watch it. It's not the same. I mean, it, there's not a lot of movies that are just like absolutely knock down, drag out, hilarious. Not mm-hmm. like that. You yeah. just don't see it. Just, you, you just don't. don't. All right. Let's go to the next question. What do you okay. enjoy eating when you're alone and no one's watching? Oh, man. Um, dare I say it wouldn't be cheese whiz, right? I'm sure that's, <laughs> that's on some people's list. But I, I enjoy eating alone when nobody's watching. Hmm. You know, uh, I'd have to say peanuts. That wasn't Got as right exciting here. as I thought that would be. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd have to say peanuts. Yeah, those oh. are the things. That, that's the thing. I, I, I'm not. I'm pretty straightforward, but peanuts are something that I grew up on, and I just love indulging on them. And, and sometimes, if nobody's around, I'll just put a put a whole bag away, like just like that. So mine, mine would be mac and I, cheese. I don't, don't want to be judged. So <laughs> I know I know we were talking about cheese whiz, but mine's mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Okay. Okay. It's a solid winner. Yeah. Mac and cheese is good too. Yeah. Especially around Thanksgiving time. That's for sure. Yes. (laughs) All right. Second to last question. What do you still have from childhood? Hmm. What do I still have from childhood? Oh, um, I've got my, my baby, my baby, baby shoes, my bronze baby shoes. I still have that from childhood. Wow. Yeah, I still have that. And the other thing that I have is a picture of me in my parents' arms when they graduated from college. Aww. And, uh, yeah, so they both went to Virginia Union. And um, there's a picture of me along with my grandfather and my mother and father at the time. And, and who they were married at the time. And when they graduated from college, my grandparents came down and there I am. And I had a boat. I had a tassel on. I had my own mortarboard on, and everything. So I was, I was decked out just That's like cute. they were for graduation. Yeah, That's so. cute. Wait, yeah, way absolutely. to go. Way to go. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely. a good one. Okay, last one. Which self help book did you put down before you finished? Which self help did I put down before I finished? Oh, interesting. Uh, get, it's a different take on that question. Getting yeah, things getting done. things done. Who's that by? By that's uh, by um, is it David Allen? David Allen getting huh. things done. Yeah, hmm. I'm pretty sure that's by David Allen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe it's not. Maybe that's why I put it down and didn't finish it. So. <laughs> I was already getting things done. I think no, no, it's a good book. I mean, I just didn't finish it. But I'm actually a serial reader. I read a lot, mm-hmm. and so I always have. I'm the guy that has like seven books by their nightstand. So some stuff gets finished. Some stuff doesn't. And then what I do now is I'll take a picture of whatever the last page was I was in a book 
And then I save that. I have a file of favorite pictures with just the just the, the page where I left the book where I returned it to the library because I don't buy a whole lot of oh, books. There so that if you get the book I again, buy. if I get the book again, okay. I'll know where I left off. But then generally, I have to usually go in and and reread that book again anyway. So, <laughs> but I just like to remember where I left off. Right. Right. And, How far did you go. get? You know, exactly. So, so exactly. that that lends a, a follow up question of in today's society and with technology being the way it is, hardback, paper book, audiobook, ebook, what's your preference? All of the above. I actually take it. I mean, I take it. In, I love cracking the spine of a nice paperback, mm-hmm. of, of a nice uh, hardcover book. But equally, I enjoy the simple fact of sometimes sliding into my seat on an airplane and I travel a fair amount and just flipping open the iPad to yeah. the Kindle app and, you know, and just knowing that I've got like eight books right there in my hand. That's there's something about that that's cool. But I always carry a physical book with me and I have my iPad with the Kindle app whenever I travel. I never I always travel with a physical book. I don't know why that is. I just do. So I used to travel with a physical book. It was probably before they allowed us to have you could leave your cell phones on. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I hated that time because it was at least 15, 20 minutes where you couldn't have your cell phone on. All right. Yeah. Until you're. Yeah ascending or descending. And so I hated not having anything to do. So I would always carry a book so I could read that. But now that you can have your cell phone on in airplane mode, right? I prefer the Kindle app, but having audible add-on translations. Okay. So that I can listen to it and follow along. And oddly enough, I have to listen at a 2.0 speed. Oh, Okay. You're you're like me then. I, I listen to most Kindle books at, or Audible at two at one point five mm-hmm. and all podcasts at one point five. I listen I don't listen to any podcast at below one point five. It's so weird because right it now is. I can listen to you and we're fine. But for whatever reason, whether it be a podcast or an audiobook, I have to have you on super speed. Cause if I listen to you not at one, I think you're like slow talking. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so funny because I listen to like my one go-to podcast that I probably listen to more than any anything else outside of my own, of course, and yours. Of, co- of uh, course. Is, is The Daily by the New York Times. And I listen to that at one and a half speed. And every now and then when my phone is not set properly and I play it, I'm just like, wait, what is this? And I'm like, oh, that's The Daily. Because <laughs> it sounds so different yeah. at one speed. And when people are around me and they hear me listen to this stuff, they're like, how do you process that? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just do. Yeah. And because I listen to so many podcasts, and it's probably one of the reasons why I'm able to listen to so many episodes yeah. in, in, in a week, I think. And I think the average hardcore podcast listener, according to Edison Research, listens to six hours and 37 minutes worth of podcasting a week. That's a lot. And you can't do that on single speed. No. I, and I, I honestly <laughs> just think it's like so slow. I'm like, Oh my gosh, speed up. And so if I hit yeah. to two, I sometimes 1.75, depending on who. And if there's an right. accent, sometimes I got to slow it down just so I can pick it up. But uh, right. nine times out of 10, I got to be a 2.0. And anything well, else is yeah. just... Well, yeah. That is... It's difficult, I know. And now, but there are some people that that talk so fast, it's hard to do. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, you can't put him above 1.5 because then it just becomes comical. Yeah. And well, and he already talks fast to begin with. You have to adjust. But 1.5 is like, yeah, you have to adjust. So, I mean, it, it works out. So It works out. 
So you're a reader and you're a dream chaser. And we have been friends, I want to say, three or four years now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Right? Yep. And the thing that I've noticed about you is um, you're always learning, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Um, whether it is going to sessions at podcast conferences, which is where we connected, or if it's books right. like we just talked about, or even in the conversations that we are in with friends, right? Talking and, and kind of understanding. What I find fascinating, awesome, and I admire about you is you're always looking for how you can improve. Have you always been that way? No, I think I have, or at least I, 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 that's the narrative that I like to tell about myself <laughs> where I say, yeah, I've always constantly been searching for that holy grail of knowledge and mm-hmm. information. Um, I was always that kid that knew too much information at school. And a lot of that was just because, you know, I would read the most obscure books and and I would I would um, watch the, the craziest documentaries. Wait, so, so are I you telling always, me you should have been my phone a friend? You should be my phone right, a friend? Exactly, Got it. Exactly. <laughs> so absolutely. Yes, yes. And and so that for me is it 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 doesn't, it's just kind of the way that I was wired. And and I always tell people that I grew up. It, with living with my grandparents, my parents got divorced when I was young, and one of the things that my grandfather always reminded me of is that you know there there is so much richness in in literature and in books, and you know once you take them in, they really become your friends. And mm-hmm. I technically, when I moved in with my grandparents, I basically my bedroom was what was originally my grandfather's office slash library. Mm-hmm. So I basically lived in a room where my bed faced a wall, which a a beautiful built-in library. And he had every book imaginable. I mean, the autobiography of Malcolm X, the Jackie Robinson story, the confessions of Nat Turner, souls on ice. I mean, the red badge of courage. I could go on and I mean, I can almost in my head play back all of the books that he had there. My grandfather was a, uh, a news reporter with ABC News, and uh, he was actually the first Black network news reporter. So, you know, he was something special in his own right, but I think he kind of instilled in me that love of of reading and, and just, you know, getting information. And he was, he was the kind of guy that would come home at night, and he would have a Wall Street Journal, New York Times, the Bergen Record, because I grew up right outside of New York City in northern New Jersey, um, and then about six or seven other newspapers. And he, he consumed them all before he went to bed. You know, and and what's funny is when I hear that, I'm like, how? But really, back in the day, that's not an unusual thing Mm-mm. at all. And it still happens today. I mean, you look at, you know, we we, we wonder. I mean, he's in his 80s now, but um, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Um, Berkshire Hathaway uh, owner um, Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world. I mean, he reads 500 pages a day of newspaper every day. He, along with his Diet Coke, that's what he does. And, uh, you know, actually, it's not Diet Coke. He drinks regular Coke and he has a regular Coke machine in his office. But he consumes 500 newspaper pages a day, if not more. Obscure facts. There you are. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. So, Useless facts. Yeah. So what what did young Randy want to be growing up? Does hmm. it match with what we what you're doing today? So let's take it back for me. Absolutely not. I think the the young Randy, uh, I thought that I was going to be possibly in sports or, uh, you know, I was a fairly active kid. I played a lot of sports growing up. And um, but but then I, I also like doing other things. And I thought that, 
you know, honestly, I thought maybe at one point I would follow in my grandfather's footsteps. And I actually did, unbeknownst to me at the time, it ultimately, what I'm doing now with podcasting is ultimately something that I witnessed on a daily basis growing up as an eight or nine or 10 year old kid who in the late, the, I, I'm 50, I was born in 69. So in 1978, 1979, my grandfather would work at the United Nations, interview somebody, come home at night with that, that tape recording interview, mm -hmm. and then take a little thing, a coupling off of, the, off of his phone and clamp, take some gator clamps and clamp them to the phone and send that interview over the phone waves to a radio station, which at the time he was working with the National Black Network. And he would send that interview over to them and then they would take it, download it, record, um, save it on their end and then play it. And then we'd hear it on the news later that night. Oh, uh, and yeah, so I experienced that. So like, honestly, I can hear in my head whenever I say three, two, one, my grandfather would always be doing that. And he mm. would do a quick voiceover. They would record it and then he would send them whatever interview he did. And it just, that's just something that, I, it would always resonate with me, and I never really thought much about it. And you know, I've done other things. I, I've always been, you know, in some way, shape, or form, have had a business of my own. But you know, it's this whole piece of, you know, the recorded sound and and recorded voice that, with the with the advent of podcasting for me, has really kind of brought me full circle back to my childhood to something that I guess I was preparing for and never realized it. Not until I started doing podcasting about seven or eight years ago, which at the time would have put me at about 42, 43 years of age. So I went through there, obviously almost half of my life mm -hmm. before I came to this realization that this is something that I really enjoy doing. And just the, the fact that the way podcasting has grown and the, the, the medium that it is today affords you that ability to kind of do anything you want to do. I mean, you have your own setup right there behind you. And, and nowadays the technology gives us that ability. And I certainly, you know, in my wildest dreams would have never imagined that, but you know, things don't happen by accident. So like I said, I mean, it's, it's, I literally, I mean, if, if it was one time, I probably heard my grandfather do voiceovers and transfer information to the radio stations several hundred times in the early stages of my life, you know, when I couldn't really, I didn't know who I wanted to be, but it was just something that I saw. And I always thought, oh, that's cool. And here's this guy and he can tell a quick story and he can come up with something even just off the top of his head and, and, and talk for 30 seconds or a minute. And then they package that together with whatever interview he did. And then I listened to it on the radio two hours later. Yeah. And I was always blown away by that. That's why I'm like, and wicked. That's, that's crazy to me. It is. It really is. So so given that you were about 42 when you come up with the realization that, hey, this is cool and this is something I could do. Looking back, would you change anything that you've done and maybe tried something different? Do you wish you kind of could have done something different earlier, sooner? No, I don't think so. I think I tried to at the time when I was younger, about 25, 26, I, um, I got a chance to work at ABC News. So I got to do a lot of the stuff that my grandfather did. So it wasn't that I didn't um, a, a achieve a certain goal or objective that I, I 
Maybe I would have been better off achieving early on in life. I, I got to do it and it was a great experience. And I, you know, I broke stories for Nightline and worked on World News Tonight and worked directly with Ted Koppel and Peter Jennings. And I had some really great experiences. And that just informed who I was becoming. And I say becoming because I was still a work in progress. And I always tell people that we're all works in progress. We're all works in progress until we die. But the, the thing about it was at 25, 26, I, I never felt like I knew it all. I just felt like I want to keep learning. And that's just kind of how it was. And so, you know, for the next 25 years, I've just constantly iterated and gotten better, figured things out, made some mistakes, dusted myself off. And I think the process is, I think our, our lives are, are much more iter iterative process than we realize. And too often people are pigeonholed into doing one thing or you're being told that, hey, this is the only thing that you can do or you're living somebody else's dream, right? Like mm -hmm. your parents. And that's tough. And I, I just, I was never, A, I was never kind of put into that corner because, you know, my grandfather said, hey, you can be anything that you want to do, just go out and prove it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he would say to me. So I think a lot of it is just the Jedi mind trick that he put on me back in, back in the day where he was just like, listen, you can do anything. You literally can do anything. And I've never been saddled with doubt from that perspective. I mean, I'm hu I'm a human. I'm a human being. Sure. And, and so that, that you know, I, I'm susceptible to certain things, but I don't allow, there's just certain things I don't allow to take over my thinking. I don't give I don't give rent in my head to certain negative thoughts or certain defeatist attitudes that sometimes really hamper a lot of people's efforts to really grow as an individual. And I think that that's for me it's been important because I've I have failed um, at at a comical level and I've had success at the highest levels and I, each one has taught me something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for for anyone to not, you know, not to belabor the process because the process and the journey is important. The destination is is important, but the journey is equally as important. See, and I love that. And I, I want to kind of stay on this topic for, for just a second, because I think what you just said, that the journey is just as important as the destination, right? And I think sometimes people disregard the journey. And they're so focused on the destination that they're just miserable, whatever the case is. And you have right. an unusually um, strong mindset about, you know, life outlook and what you're doing, right? You bounce down, you have a bad day, brush it off onto the next, right? I think I could see you doing that. But for the people listening and those who struggle with that kind of mindset, what what advice would you have for them who don't have as strong of a countenance and they're facing doubt, facing failure, facing negativity. What can they do? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it certainly isn't going to help to tell somebody whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Uh, certainly, I could, I could come up with something trite and witty like that. But in all seriousness, I think that we need to, we really need, you need to be open to understanding who you are. And I don't think enough people take time to learn about themselves because mm -hmm. we're constantly worrying about other people. Mm -hmm. And I think I, in this season that I'm in, and, and just to be perfectly transparent, um, you know, 
I honestly legitimately feel like I've had a great life. I'm 50, but there's something about psychologically when you hit this watermark of, you know, some people say 40 is halftime. I believe 50 is halftime for me. And I'm in the locker room right now getting prepared to go out on the field for the second half. And my encouragement to anyone that's listening to this and it's in a place of doubt or fear or discouragement is that the second half can infinitely be even better than the first half. Because too often people sit around saying, man, I'm going to live my best life right now. And then later on, because you hear people say it and people are like, well, my body's going to break down and all that. That stuff only happens because you say it and you think it. But I don't think that way. I, I, I try to, I work out literally every day. I, 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 I do a lot of, I try to eat as, as good as I can, except for when we went out during broadcast movement, that's a whole different conversation. Hey, it was still but pretty my good. Goal, no, I know it was, it was, <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't go hardcore with some really bad stuff, but you know, I try to monitor my alcohol consumption, all that, because I do want to preserve this body. And I want to be here for the long term, not just for myself, but for my, my wife, Nicola, and my three boys, Joshua, Nathan, and Aiden. But I think that, you know, everybody needs to understand that it is a long process. And too often we, we are literally, some of us are literally in the first, first quarter of our lives. And we're complaining because we're so disappointed with the outcome so far. Yeah. And the second quarter will get better. You'll make some mistakes. You'll figure it out. You'll course correct and move on. You come into halftime. You get in the you get into the locker room with the coach. And what does the coach do? The coach gives you a, a pep talk. And for a lot of us, like my pep talks have come through books. My pep talks have come through other podcasts, listening to your podcasts and, and, uh, and several others of people that we know and just listening to this process. And I think it's really important for people to do that and recognize that your life is a body of work. And as long as you're still breathing, that story is still being told. And you look at Harlan Sanders, 65, when he created those 11 herbs and spices. I mean, my God, he found so many ways to fail. His failures had failures. So, you know, you look at people like that, Ray Kroc, 44, Sam Walton, 44, uh, so many people beyond their 50s that have, have achieved success and never gave up. And yeah. I just think people need to figure out a way to not give up and not lose sight that it's a long, it's a long game that you're playing. Yeah. And I think that's a great point you make because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And there, there's right. two schools of thought that I'm seeing from people and you've probably seen for people who come to you and have talked to you and that you've interacted with. One, you know, it's too late for them. Or I'm waiting for retirement, and by then it's like, why? What What if something, God forbid, happens before retirement? Then what? And then there's the other end of the spectrum of people who are like, it's too late for me because of a mistake. It's they they are young in their 20s, 30s, you know, even 40s, still young, and it's the life is not going the way they want it, and therefore right. they think it's over. Right? It's the two yeah. extremes of things that I'm seeing. And it's interesting because if you watch um, social media and you see like Gary Vaynerchuk and you see the people who come to him and talk to him and he's very good about, you know, life is long, like live, live your life, do what you need to do. Just be happy. That's he, he promotes that. And I don't agree with everything Gary says, but I'm huge on the be happy part because life is short. Right. Yeah. I mean, you live yeah. every day, you die once, but 
live it every day. I just think people are either, what was me? It's too late. Or it's not happening because it's too late. It's yeah, like, it's yeah, about that it's, destiny. It's about that goal versus the journey, which I think is great about what you said, because it's about the journey. It is. It is. And it's, it's, it is something that each day brings something new. And that's kind of what I enjoy um, right now. And, and again, my encouragement to anyone that will listen, especially a 25 something or a 30 something is, you know, this, this is make your mistakes, but you know what? You're also going to make your mistakes when you're my age too. And don't worry about it. Just keep moving on. If it doesn't kill you, you'll be all right. And the idea here is simply that, you know, we have to constantly be um, elevating our thinking and, and the way that we look at life. And I think that that's what I've been able to do. And a lot of it, again, is part of it is upbringing. Part of it is just having, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, affirmations and, and mm-hmm. just instilling in people just that, that, that constant grind of, you're going to be okay. You're going to have success. You may fall, but you'll get right back up and get right back on the horse. Right. You may keep, you may make several different divergent paths that you never thought you would make in your life. And it's important for people to understand that because, you know, you just, you, you have no idea where life's going to take you. And I think most of the time, most of us are struggling to impress people that don't care about us. Mm. And, I'm way beyond that. And and I have five people in my life, six, seven, actually there's a few more than that, but the core people are my wife and my three boys. Right. And, right. And, and, and it's important for me to, to be an example for them, but that's, that's really where it ends outside of that. Nobody else, uh, even my best friends. I mean, and I care about them, but you know, I have, I have to answer to my God and I have to answer to my family first before anybody else and then the rest of it you know the world will either love you or hate you and um, i certainly want to be loved but if they don't uh i'll be all right i'll be okay i I feel like you would say that to your friend too though that your friend's priority should be himself and his family right absolutely absolutely like it's not a one-way street i think the point and you made this point earlier is um when you talked about chasing someone else's dream right? Whether it's your parents or someone else you're working for. And I think some of us don't realize or can't make the differentiation between whose dream it is and what you're doing. And sometimes they think it's theirs and it's not. And we give credit and credence and weight and value to people who we probably shouldn't, right? And I'm not saying, you know, please don't take it that I'm like, Amy Amy said, go disrespect my parents. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) You have to know what's best for you, okay? Yeah. And at the end of the day, hopefully, your parents will support you. But at the end of the day, it's your head that hits that pillow. It's your life that goes to bed and wakes up in the morning. It's you. You are the star of your story. You're the producer. You're the director. Direct. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny. And, I, and I'll talk about something that's a little timely to mention because mm-hmm. it's top of mind consciousness for a lot of people, especially those that follow the NFL, but um, Andrew Luck just bowed out of football. And here's a guy who's 29 years old, theoretically at the prime, although he's really not because that's why he had to get out of it in the first place. You know, he, he, he said 
I, you know, football isn't my life. I know I have a lot more life to live and there are other things that I want to do. And certainly you have one, you have the peanut gallery that's saying, man, this guy is, you know, walking away from half a billion dollars worth of potential income. Yeah. And then, and then there's him. And he's saying, listen, I want to do this, but I can't any longer. My body just won't let me. It's not fair to me. It's not his responsibility is not to the fans of Indianapolis. His responsibility is not to his coach, not to his teammates. It's to his wife and to those young children that he has. Sure. First starts there. And certainly people are going to be disappointed with certain decisions that we make, but that's life. I mean, that's just the way that it is. But I think, you know, the Andrew Luck story is a perfect example of somebody saying, I've got, I've got to be me and I've got to live life the best way that I know how. And for him, the best way that he knows how to live life is pulling himself away from the rigors and challenges of being a professional athlete Mm -hmm. in one of the the toughest sports in the world, period. Hands down. And I got to applaud him for that because it's not an easy decision. I mean, talk about having people in your ear and voicing their opinions and weighing on them. I'm sure as he walks down the street, his neighbors are probably saying something. As he goes to eat, people are saying something, right? I mean, it's not easy to walk away. And the thing that people need to understand is, regardless of the fact that he walked away, it wasn't easy for him to make that decision. No, no. It's not. And, And so... When we, when we talk about chasing dreams and when we talk about following your own dreams, you know, you talked about um, halves and that this is a marathon, right? And how you've pivoted after exp- having your time at ABC and having your time uh, doing that. And then even now you're pivoting in a sense with what you're doing. What do you say to people who, who aren't sure who figure out, hey, this isn't for me, but it's too late. I'm 42. I'm 30. I'm 60. What do you say to them about that? Because you've you've done something where, um, you know, even though build in, uh, encourage, build, grow. Is that the right order? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Encourage, right build, grow. Right? EG, yep. right. Is for designers and you're helping and you're doing a lot. Right. I feel like that can be applied to a lot of people. And so I think you're the perfect person to ask, what do you say to people who are like, it's too late for me, though? What about all the time I put in? How -hmm. could I dare change now? Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, I think, you know, there there is an accounting term and a lot of people look at the the accounting term sunk cost. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the amount of time that you put in for anything, whether it's the time you put in going to law school and now you absolutely hate being a lawyer or anything having to do with it, Mm -hmm. whether it's the time you put in going to med school and now you don't you can't stand the sight of blood, heaven forbid. But all of these, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, you have to make a decision about what ultimately you want to do. And you have to recognize that it's okay to pivot. It's okay to to decide one day to wake up and recognize that this isn't working for me and I need to try something else. I want to go, go in a different direction and I want to be recognized for my ability to give up the things that I held so dear to me because I believe that there's something even out there that's greater for me than even what I'm experiencing right now. And most people aren't willing to make that sacrifice. Most people aren't willing to try to figure things out and, and kind of, you know, and it's it's so funny. I mean, in our community, and when I say our community, I mean, the community of podcasters, 
I'm always, I always look, look at people that have just gotten into podcasting and, you know, everybody expects that things are just going to just snap in together and fall into place. And it, you know, it doesn't work that way. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of toiling. And if people recognize the ROI to doing a podcast and all that. It's not what you think it is. And for most people, I tell them, you will only be successful with podcasting if you don't care about the money and all that other stuff, mm. but you do care about making, getting better. And I would say, take that same argument and say, hey, even if you don't like the path that you're currently going down and you feel like you want to pivot and go someplace else, make sure it's someplace that you you wake up in the morning excited uh, about doing whatever that is that you're going to do. Yeah. Make sure that it's something that you could, you would potentially even do it for free. I would podcast for free all day long. Like I told you today, this is my, this is by the, when we're recording this, it's in the afternoon. I've already done three podcasts. So today alone, and that's not every day, every day isn't like that, but you know, this, this is something that I enjoy. I, I, I could do it in my sleep. Mm-hmm. I could do multiple times in a day. I've done more than three episodes in a day. It's just something that I really, really enjoy. And so whatever it is that your listeners are grappling with or, you know, concerned that if they leave whatever industry that they're in, they'll never be able to make a mark somewhere else. That certainly isn't the case. I mean, you see it all the time where people, examples, and I even just mentioned a few, but you see examples of people that have been able to course correct and find their true north yep. in the process of developing who they really are. And again, it may take, it may be a different point in time in your life. And I think it's, it's just something that we need to recognize and understand. And that's why, honestly, that's why reading is so important, especially reading biographies and others, because you realize that you're not alone in this. And there's so many people, super successful people who, who we know ostensibly just through the public record. But then when, when we peel back the layers and find out about them, their lives and what they went through and all the hurt and pain that they, they went through to get where they wanted to go, we're like, oh my God. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they might have pivoted two or three times before they got down the path that they really needed to go down. And I think for each one of us, especially those that are listening to this, when you, look at the final chapters of your life at the end of your life, you'll go back and be like, wow, I had no idea I was going to pivot like this. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll leave you with this particular idea or thought. I told you my grandfather was the first black network newscaster for ABC, and that's not to make a big deal about it. It is, it is what it is. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize, and I always tell the story. My grandfather was 54 years old when he broke into network news. Um, and, and especially in an industry nowadays where you're like, when you're, you're like over the hill at 30, right? I mean, they want younger, fresher, newer faces in news. And my grandfather was on television, so it was a big deal back then, but he was 54 years of age when he finally broke in and, and was able to do what he truly felt called to do. He was 54 years of age. Four years older than I am right now, and he finally met his calling and then did it literally until he died. So what I tell people is that, again, like you said, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But you have to recognize when the calling comes on you to do something that you really feel called to do, 
that opportunities and things will open up that you never envisioned opening up. And the only reason my grandfather ever got into the doors at ABC News in New York was because a friend of his, somebody who he developed a relationship with following um, Negro League baseball players around, this gentleman, and some of you may have heard of him, his name is Jackie Robinson, was the one that introduced my grandfather to ABC News. And, you know, it's it's those relationships. And, and so don't discount the people that are being put into your life and every season because they're there for a reason. And it's important for you to develop strong and meaningful relationships with anyone that you come in contact with. That's why I don't count our relationship an accident, Amy. That's why I don't count the relationships with any of the people that I've come in contact with through podcast movement and elsewhere. The only reason that I know you is because I connected with a guy named Jared Easley and we went out and 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 had a had an appetizer and talked about some of his dreams and what he wanted to do. And his dream was to start a, a conference like what Podcast Movement ultimately became. And that's that's essentially the way it was. And so I'm kind of on the trajectory that I'm on now because of some of these relationships that I've had with people, different ones that have kind of pushed me into different paths and connected me with people like yourself and others that have allowed things to really come to pass. And I think too often... I say that to say that we, we we try to take this journey by ourselves, but we can't because there's always somebody out there willing to help you. Jackie Robinson helped my grandfather. You're helping me. Other people are helping other people. So nobody, anybody that's at, at, at a crossroads in their lives and struggling to get to where they really want to be, there's somebody out there that's that's perfectly suited to helping you. And to be a part of your journey as you move forward and pivot and make some changes. And they'll help you get to where you need to go. And I think that's I think that's just important for us to realize. And it's not, you know, it's not me against the world. It's me and some other folks against the world. And, you know, you know, there, there there's a there's an ancient parable that basically says one person can can put a thousand to flight, but two people can put 10,000 to flight. And all that simply means is that you're much stronger when you're combined in unity with somebody else than you are by yourself. So anybody that's sitting around having a pity party, you need to get up off of that couch. You need to put that Ben and Jerry's away, turn Netflix off for a season and get out there and do the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. Because that's going to be the difference maker. And I guarantee you, because of the way that the world works, people are going to enter your life at that point in time when you need them to move forward and pivot into that new destiny that you have for you. So, I mean, that's that to me in its essence is what Chasing Dreams is all about, is, is being free to step out of our comfort zone with the knowledge that there are some things that I really have on my heart that I want to do and I haven't really shared it with anybody but I want to go do them. And I don't know how I'm going to get there. And the world has a funny way of working that out where, where people will be put in your path that will help you get to where you need to go. Cause we, it's just, they're just things that we can't do alone. We just, it doesn't work that way. So if you're on the audio, you can't see me grinning and cheesing at this. I'm like, <laughs> keep on going, man. You're, you're hitting yeah. <laughs> all the, all the right buttons here. I mean, right. I can't say it better myself, guys. Um, Absolutely. I agree with everything. Um, and I, I hesitate, you know, with all of that advice, with everything we've talked about today, you know, it can be easy to get lost in it and say, I just don't know where to start. What What is one thing 
you would tell people to do today to chase their dreams? One thing that I would tell everybody to do today is to wake up whatever time you wake up in the morning. Now, unless you wake up at like 4.30 in the morning, like Jocko Willink or a Navy SEAL, if you have like a Navy SEAL hours when you wake up in the morning, so you're up before the crows get up uh, or the or the roosters, then then that's one thing. But if if you're like most people and you get up at 6.45 or 7 o'clock and you lumber out of bed and grab your coffee, my advice is to find an hour worth of time for yourself in the morning to give it to give give some time back to yourself however you do that my recommendation is that you find time to do it in the morning so if you've got a family like i do and so my kids normally up by six i have to get up at five but find that one hour of time and and make sure that you're doing a couple of things i'd highly recommend that you figure out affirmations that work for you to kind of prime the pump right? Because we're trying to get that water flowing. And if you've ever been somewhere where there's a natural spring, a hundred or 200 feet down on a piece of property, and they've got a pump to get that water up, it takes a lot of work. But once it starts flowing, it flows. So make sure that you are giving yourself some time for you. This is the one point where it is you alone. This is not for you and somebody else. This is for you. Now, maybe you and your spouse can do it if you're married or significant other. You guys both agree to get up early and give time to it for yourselves. But I would highly recommend that you make time to, to get to be with yourself. Be with your thoughts. Meditate. Pray. Whatever. Whatever. Anything to kind of reset yourself. Because our minds move. Our minds are actually way more active when we sleep than 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 people realize. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to reset yourself yep. uh, in the morning. And I think that's probably the most logical time to do it. And that's when you should also start dreaming about the things that you want to do. So I certainly follow Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. Um, I make time to uh, to pray and meditate. I make time to work out. I make time to to read, and I make time to journal. So I do all four of those things. And all I'm saying is, even if you just do one or two of those things, but give yourself an hour. Give yourself start with half an hour, and then work your way up to an hour. But give yourself some time to get some things done for yourself you'd be surprised how the rest of your day goes. So if you do nothing else after you listen to me, because a lot of what I've said sounds like it might be hard work, it is. But if you do nothing else but give yourself back an hour a day, because especially if you work for somebody, you, you are certainly on other people's schedules and other people's agendas. You need to create an agenda for yourself and you need to follow that. And one way to do that is to simply give back to yourself that first hour of the day and get yourself mentally prepared, spiritually prepared, and physically prepared to tackle whatever the day has for you. And guys, I want to clarify <clears throat> one thing or just put a, he doesn't mean you in emails. Okay. That's, that's not at yes, all. Yes. No. Right. I, oh, you know, I, I appreciate that. Let me just yeah. say this. I, I, I don't leave my phone. I don't sleep with my phone mm -hmm. on my bedside. I, I have an old school alarm clock because I still need an alarm clock sometimes sure. to get up, but it's old school, like literally wind up, mm -hmm. set it. And because first of all, ha having a phone in your bedroom is really bad for you in terms of your sleeping and everything. But I also don't check my email for the first hour or so from when I get up. 
So I, I don't I don't allow any flood of anybody else's agenda to enter into my realm until after that first hour is up so or more. Sometimes I, I I don't check my email until eight thirty or nine o'clock in the morning, but but and that's a good morning. But most of the times, at least if I if I'm giving myself a half hour or an hour, that's uninterrupted from life, meaning no social media, mm-hmm. no email checking. Listen, there is nobody that needs you to do anything at 6.30 a.m. It, it, it just isn't. I mean, unless you work for Lady Gaga and, you know, of course, stars have needs and I, I get it. But, you Even know, then. if that's not you, figure it out, work it out. So, but yeah, so, I, that's a good point. That's a very good just, point. Just to clarify, because I, I, I've noticed a difference when, and I used to do this. It's just hard to keep track of that stuff and, and to do it consistently. But it's never too late to get back to it. So, you know, working that back into my routine in my life, um, I notice a difference, right? And Randy and I keep each other accountable and it's been great. And so set your mind right, set your day right. Yeah. Get get on chasing your dreams. Randy, thank you, my friend, for coming on, sharing your wisdom. So many nuggets, so many nuggets. Uh, Appreciate you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. Thank you so much. Hey guys, you can find all the show notes over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 209. That's episode 209. All right, Dream Chasers, until next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.